The Whole Health Cure with Dr. Sharon Berquist, the podcast that brings you inspiration and skills for living a healthy and fulfilled life. Welcome to the Whole Health Cure podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Berquist. On this podcast, we explore the science and provide inspiration and skills for living your happiest, most fulfilling, and healthiest life. Today, I'm joined by an amazing guest. He's the co-author of the instant New York Times bestselling book, Mastering Diabetes, the revolutionary method to reverse insulin resistance permanently in type 1, type 1.5, type 2, prediabetes, and gestational diabetes. Probably didn't know there are that many kinds of diabetes. His other co-author, Cyrus, is also a very well-respected author, and they are co-founders of Mastering Diabetes, a coaching program that teaches people how to reverse insulin resistance via low-fat, plant-based, whole food nutrition. Cyrus has been living with type 1 diabetes since 2002 and has an undergraduate degree from Stanford University and a PhD in nutritional biochemistry from UC Berkeley. Robbie was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2000 and has been living a plant-based lifestyle since 2006. He worked at Forks Over Knives for six years and earned a master's in public health in 2019. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so glad to be here. Um, it's really an honor to be speaking with you, Dr. Sharon, and we're going to give people some important information about insulin resistance today. Oh, that's that's just a great topic given um, just how prevalent and common it's become. You know, Robbie, you know, as someone who's lived with diabetes for now 20 years, I'm going to start by asking you, what's in your personal experience and journey with diabetes? So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 12, just about to turn 13. Like you said, that's over 20 years ago now. And I actually self-diagnosed myself because my older brother was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes nine years prior to me. And I was thirsty all the time. I was going to the bathroom all the time. I said, mom, I think I have diabetes just like Steve. She said, no, don't be silly. You don't have diabetes. So she was out of town. A little bit later, she called the check-in and said, hey, how are things going at home? And I said, mom, I couldn't sleep last night. I was cramping. She said, okay, go upstairs, use your brother's bug meter and test yourself. And I was well over 400. My brother said right then and there, you have type 1 diabetes, pack your bag, you're going to be in the hospital for a few nights. So we went to the general doctor, we got the official diagnosis there. Then I stayed in the hospital, my parents came back home to Minnesota from their trip in Florida. And I remember my dad saying, look, this is just going to be an inconvenience, you can still do whatever you want. Like, And at that time, I was following the standard American diet, my parents wanted to make sure I had the best medical care possible. They took me to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota where I had a team of professionals, an endocrinologist, a nutritionist, a psychologist, and they were doing their best to help me, but they never talked about insulin resistance or lifestyle changes that I could use to maximize my health in the short term and prevent long-term complications. So without that information, I went on my merry ways, kept on following the standard American diet, kept on just injecting insulin. That's the common teaching point when when young kids are first diagnosed with type one it's like oh we just want you to feel normal we want you to just be able to eat what you normally eat just learn how to inject insulin properly and i think this is a missed opportunity missed opportunity to really actually transform your health cyrus and i both believe that this was a blessing in disguise for us and we're healthier than we were before we were diagnosed 
So anyways, I continued trying different things and I eventually stumbled across a book. I was a freshman at, in high school and I was going to Barnes and Noble to get spark notes as a high school student does. And a book just fell off the shelf at me. It was called Kevin Trudeau's Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About. I'm not recommending this book. I don't, this guy ended up going to jail. He, he, was, he was the best selling author. He had infomercials. You get, people are listening might remember. He's this very handsome guy. The book cover was purple. He sold millions of copies. And then he went to jail. But that's another story. The point is, this book planted a seed in my mind that, you know what? Maybe it's possible to reverse type 1 diabetes. Maybe if I live really healthy, I can give my body the chance to use the beta cells inside my body to regenerate new stem cells and reverse type 1 diabetes. That was the mission. I cannot say I figured that out. I'm still on that mission. We're still going to figure this out one way or another in the type 1 community. But that opened up the door for me to start playing around with new dietary approaches to improve my diabetes health. So I ended up trying the Weston A. Price Foundation diet. This is an approach where you get rid of the junk food. Lots of great things here. Um, but the focus was on grass-fed beef. It was on lots of raw milk, foods like that. And I actually went to the local farmer's market and I would buy raw milk for cats because you can't sell raw milk to humans. So I, I made sure to follow this program. I did it. And I didn't really see any major benefits in regards to my diabetes health. And at the time, I was struggling with cystic acne, which was really frustrating. As a high school student, my parents took me to the best dermatologist they could. I tried pills. I tried creams. I tried microdermal abrasion treatments. I tried laser treatments. Eventually, they put me on the most serious drug you possibly can be put on, which is Accutane. My parents had to sign a waiver because people have committed suicide on that drug. So I tried Accutane. Um, that, I did see some benefits there. But I also am struggling with plantar fasciitis at this time, which is a painful condition in the arches of your feet. And as a competitive tennis player, this was frustrating. I also had chronic allergies. Even though I took Mazenex, Claritin-D, I would still get sick every year. And I had warts on my feet as well. Just frustrating standard American diet symptoms. So as I'm making lifestyle changes, I'm hoping to improve those things as well as I'm trying to get my beta cells to work again. So the West State Price Diet doesn't go that well. I end up learning about a raw food, high fat, high vegetable diet from Gabriel Cousins. Now this is in 2006. They didn't have the keto craze. There wasn't you know, any keto diets going on, but it really was a plant-based ketogenic diet. That's what I tried. And again, I'm on this mission. I'm trying to figure out what do I got to do to regenerate beta cells. So I started following this diet. And the biggest problem with that approach is I had no energy. At this time, I'm a freshman at the University of Florida. And I was literally on campus, like blacking out several times, really scared. So I went back to my naturopath and said, okay, what can I do to try and improve this situation? And she said, you know what? Maybe you should do some chelation therapy. I was like, okay, maybe heavy metals are a problem. Like I'll consider this. And I would have been uh, forced to drive from Gainesville to Tampa to do this therapy. And I heard a podcast in between, which is always fun to talk about while I'm recording a podcast, because I hope this changes somebody's life. And this podcast was uh, with this guy, Steve Prusak, interviewing Dr. Doug Graham. And this guy, Doug Graham, started talking about how you need a healthy diet, your body 
can actually cleanse toxins on its own. I'm like, okay, wow, this is interesting. Uh, I, he's talking about eating fruit, and I was not eating fruit. Fruit was off the table on the current diet, and I love fruit. So I'm like, you know what? Let me give this a try before I do the chelation therapy thing. So I start working with this guy, Doug Grimm. I sign up for his online coaching program, and I worked with him for 90 days. I emailed him every single day for 90 days straight. He emailed me back, and I learned how to do his approach. And I was blown away by how many grams of carbohydrate I started consuming and how my insulin use stayed low, stayed in an appropriate range. I could not believe this. And so all of a sudden, my skin clears up. Plantar fasciitis is gone. I am not getting sick anymore. Warts on my feet are gone. Wow, this is incredible. I have amazing blood glucose control. I feel amazing again. My symptoms are going away. And I'm eating the exact foods you're told not to eat. I'm, I'm eating lots of fruits, you know, uh, lots of greens. It's just like, I was blown away. So I went back to the research. I'm a student at the University of Florida so I can access all the best journals. And I find out that this idea of reducing your fat intake and increasing your intake of whole carbohydrate-rich foods has been documented in the research since the 1920s. Insulin was first discovered in 1921 first used in a human in 1922, and Dr. Sansom, one of the first physicians to use insulin with patients, publishes a paper in 1926 explaining how including more carbohydrate-rich foods improved insulin sensitivity and the quality of life of the diabetes patients, which at the time, diabetes was a death sentence. They were just trying to follow the lowest carbohydrate diet humanly possible just to stay alive. But once insulin comes along, now we can start finding new treatments. And this is just the 19, and it goes decade after decade after decade, all the way up until now. We have paper after paper demonstrating this. And now that was the confirmation that what was happening in my own body wasn't just an anomaly. This is well-documented, and it's time to get this information out to more and more people so they can experience the same benefits because the name of the game is understanding how to maximize your insulin sensitivity. So that's what I became really passionate about. That's what we do at Mastering Diabetes. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Oh, what an amazing story. Um, and, you know, how fortuitous that you kind of stumbled across this in your path because um, it's changed your life. And, and through that, you've changed the life of so many people with your work. You know, this term insulin resistance, insulin sensitivity, you uh, brought it up several times. Um, let me start by, you know, asking you what is insulin resistance? Um, and then we can maybe get into how to improve insulin sensitivity. Okay. So first we have to understand like what, what is insulin and, and what is its job? So the primary function of insulin is to take glucose out of your bloodstream and usher it into your cells. That's insulin's primary function. It does a lot of other things. But then insulin resistance, the actual definition is the diminished ability of cells to respond to the action of insulin in transporting glucose from the bloodstream into muscle and other tissues. So what we've uncovered and what we talk about in our book in mad detail, this book has over 800 citations. Uh, it's very detailed, but also easy to understand. What we discuss in mad detail is the fact that this diminished ability 
of insulin to open the door and let glucose into your cells is caused by the consumption of excess dietary fat that is then stored in your muscle and liver cells in excessive quantities. So what ends up happening is once those cells have too much fat inside and insulin knocks on the door and says, hey, I have glucose in the bloodstream. I would like to allow it to come into you, into your cell, into your home here. Will you please let it in? The cell says, no, I am loaded with fat. Okay, I, I am overflowing with energy right now. I do not want your glucose. So that's where these mechanisms start to be created, in, really in defense. Your body's being trying to, uh, to defend itself. Like, I don't need this extra glucose. So then you end up with the classic case of pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, where we're seeing elevated levels of insulin in the blood and elevated blood glucose levels. This is problematic. This is the true cause of prediabetes, and it's the cause of type 2 diabetes. And we can reverse both of those, especially if caught early enough, whereas in type 1 and type 1.5 diabetes, these are classified as autoimmune conditions. Insulin resistance is not the cause, but it is present in the vast majority of cases. And it's the underlying insulin resistance that is responsible for the complications of all forms of diabetes. So people living with type 1 diabetes, type 1.5 diabetes, it's not high blood glucose readings or high A1C reading that is the particular problem that ends up leading to complications and death. It's actually number one being heart disease. Heart disease is the number one killer for people living with all forms of diabetes. Chronic kidney disease is the second. And then you get into other complications such as fatty liver disease, cancer, you have Alzheimer's disease, you have PCOS being an issue here, high blood pressure, high triglycerides, high cholesterol, erectile dysfunction, peripheral neuropathy, retinopathy, all of these challenging chronic conditions that are associated with people living with diabetes come back to insulin resistance. And that's why it's so important to address that and not just blood glucose control, which is where the confusion comes in in the keto world versus the plant-based world. Yeah, and, and Robbie, that's such an important point in being in healthcare. I, I completely agree and understand how underemphasized or even talked about that is that even if a person's blood sugar is well-controlled, the risk of complications from diabetes do not go down until you overcome the insulin resistance. And, um, and that... Oh, takes us to kind of the corollary. So if a person is on medication, i.e. insulin with type 2 diabetes, and their blood sugar is well controlled, what does the insulin do to insulin resistance? Okay. So this is a great question. This is such an important question because I'm going to get to it, but I'm going to draw, I'll bring in a few other nuances before I get to actually answer that question which is the fact that a lot of people come to us, they hear, oh, wow, like people are reversing their type 2 diabetes all the time in your coaching program. I see these testimonials you post on your website, you post on Instagram, you wrote about them in your book. Like the beginning of each chapter of the book has another testimonial. Um, and they're like, it's not happening for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to follow your program and, and I'm doing it pretty well and it's not happening. So I just want to address that that can happen. And what's happening here is that some people are living with insulin-dependent type 2 diabetes. 
And that is because they've been living with this condition long enough where their beta cells have been exhausted. Their beta cell population has been diminished and creating new beta cells, even for those without autoimmune diabetes, is not easy. So they may still need to use insulin therapy if their beta cells have been damaged. And you can get this really figured out by doing a C-peptide test. A C-peptide test will give you an indication of how well your pancreas is working because insulin and C-peptide is produced in a one-to-one ratio. And then the C-peptide breaks off and it lingers in your blood for much longer and it's easy to test. So I just want to address that for anybody listening that that could be relevant for. But what you're describing is also a very common situation where people have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, their doctor tried metformin, they might have tried some glipizide, they tried some other medications, and eventually they got put on insulin. And what's happening in this case is their body has been living in an insulin-resistant state for an extended period of time, and they, their body trying its best to produce more and more insulin to try and shove the glucose into those cells that kept on saying they didn't want it. And eventually the pancreas couldn't keep up. So now the medical community says, okay, let's just inject some more insulin and let's see if we can solve it with that. And you can, like you said, you can see some improved blood glucose readings. You can see some you know, better controlled diabetes. But the problem is we're not addressing the root problem and we are still gonna be having a very high excessive amount of insulin. And so this is where, again, there's so much confusion around this topic. It's, it's hard to boil it all down. In the book, we get through all the details, but people are concerned, they're, they're afraid of insulin in general, okay? Because they say, you know what? Insulin's gonna make me fat. And, if, and it's true. Excess insulin is problematic. And so, we have to figure out why is that happening? What's going on? So people are afraid of eating carbohydrate-rich foods because, wow, I, I need more and more insulin to eat the carbohydrate-rich foods that, that we recommend. And the reason is because they're eating those foods in a high-fat environment. And as soon as you reduce the fat that you're consuming, your body now has the ability to burn away and metabolize the excess fat that's in cells where it's not supposed to be, and you become insulin-sensitive again. And you can eat those bananas and potatoes and rice and beans, and you can have your body easily and efficiently usher that glucose into your cells. So um, the big problem here, again, with well-controlled diabetes and injecting insulin is that you are living in a state of, of excess insulin and living in a state of insulin resistance. No questions asked. Now, again, I want to be clear, some people might still need insulin. But we got to figure that out based on a C-peptide test and by following a healthy, low-fat, plant-based lifestyle to see what is your body capable of. Even if you do have diminished beta cell population, that small population might be enough to keep your blood glucose in control without medication if you do all of the factors involved with maximizing insulin sensitivity. So each person is unique, each case is unique, but... In general, um, injecting insulin on top of a pancreas that's already producing excess insulin is problematic. Yeah. And, and Robbie, is there a certain time window where you find that people um, 
insulin-dependent diabetes, um, where they can't fully recover or reverse with just a plant-based diet or diet and lifestyle? That's a great question, and I honestly don't have a generalized answer because we've had people come to us who've been using insulin for 20, 30 years and then get off of it very quickly. Um, Dr. Marvis um, is a good friend of ours, and we send a lot of patients to her. And she was just on a call this morning, and she's had a patient who was using 60 units of insulin for many, many years, and in four days stopped using insulin. So there are quick, dramatic turnarounds. There are slow, steady turnarounds. And there really isn't a, a generalized answer. This whole area of de-prescribing is brand new. Um, there's really no protocols for this. There isn't a ton and ton of examples. There's not like a you know, standard of care for de-prescribing insulin for a person living with type 2 diabetes following a low-fat-based health food diet. This is stuff that we are looking to establish and, and work on as a team as we gain more and more experience with our clients. But anything can happen. And I also would hesitate to ever even give an answer there to make anybody discouraged. I don't care if you've been using insulin for 50 years and you have, you have no antibodies, you are not on, on any type of autoimmune version of diabetes. Let's go for it. Let's do everything you can to maximize your insulin sensitivity. There's only one way to find out how low your insulin dose can get, and that's to adopt the lifestyle and go all in and give it your best shot. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and you, you mentioned, you know, obviously insulin sensi uh, sensitizing yourself is important and reducing saturated fat um, and increasing uh, fruit um, and other um, carbs and fiber can be helpful. What are other ways people can um, sensitize uh, and build their insulin sensitivity again? Okay, so there are several lifestyle choices that can impact your insulin sensitivity. And something we're really proud of at Mastering Diabetes and what we do and what we put together in this book is to the best of our knowledge, we have taken every scientific principle that is helpful in making insulin work more efficiently, and we've incorporated it into this method. So when it comes to just the dietary component, we're not talking about just lowering your fat. That's key, that's huge, that's gonna have the biggest factor. But the very fact that you are reducing or eliminating animal products and eating less refined foods means that you are also lowering your intake of advanced glycation end products. So that's a benefit. When you're following this plant-based diet, you're reducing your consumption of heme iron. When you follow a low-fat plant-based diet, as we, as we prescribed, you're reducing your consumption of excess sodium, okay? These are all problematic when it comes to insulin sensitivity and, and inflammation, which is also problematic in this whole game of making insulin work efficiently. In addition to that, we teach people how to use intermittent fasting as a tool to improve their insulin sensitivity. And this essentially is a method to help burn away that excess fat that's stored in cells where they should, should not be. In addition to that, we teach people how to move their body and start anywhere. Even just walking will have a profound impact on your insulin sensitivity. 
And as a person living with type 1 diabetes who wears a continuous glucose monitor, I can confirm that myself. And with the thousands of clients who've been through our coaching program, they see the same thing. Literally just walking after a meal will have a significant impact on your post-meal blood glucose readings. So you incorporate all of these elements and you come up with a program where you are going to truly, truly maximize your insulin sensitivity. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned intermittent fasting and there's so much interest right now in intermittent fasting. There are different regimens, um, you know, in terms of, you know, 16-8 and there are a lot of different combinations of how to do it. Is there a way that you recommend in mastering diabetes? So you're right. Intermittent fasting is a hot topic right now. And I will say, number one, I want to acknowledge that intermittent fasting might not be perfect for everybody. Okay. There could be some stages of life or maybe people who might have like an eating disorder or certain situations like that. I want to acknowledge that not necessarily perfect for everybody, but in general, um, it's good for a lot of people. And a lot of people who join our coaching program are living with pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes. They have excess weight. Some of them are um, obviously postmenopausal, And this is a great, great technique. You're right. There's options. The 16-8 is the most popular one in our coaching program, for sure. People just love to do that one. They also really enjoy the once-per-week 24-hour fast. And the way we teach people to do that is you finish your dinner in the evening, and then you have no food after that. You drink some water. You might have some tea. Then you wake up in the morning. Again, plenty of water, plenty of liquids. You skip breakfast. You skip lunch. And then you eat dinner again. And now you've completed a 24-hour fast. And this is actually something we also use to help people living with insulin-dependent diabetes test their basal rate. So you have that 24-hour period where you're not eating food. You might inject a bolus for your dawn phenomenon that you may experience. But other than that, you try not to inject any other, you know, fast acting units of insulin or any bolus injections. And then you can test and see how is your basal rate controlling your blood glucose over that 24 hour period. Yeah. And no, I mean, you know, there, there are so many fads out there, but there's a lot of science behind intermittent fasting. Can you explain what happens in the body when a person gets into the fasting state? Okay. So in general, I mean, fasting, the overarching principle here is it's a technique to reduce your caloric consumption. So it really, it's really rooted in, in the science that when you limit your calories, you know, calorie restriction has been demonstrated to lengthen lifespan. And also I think there's a lot of research where it's really improving quality of life, even, even in the short term. Now, if you want to get into the, the biochemistry and the nitty gritty of what's happening with fasting, what you have to do is you have to pick up this book. You read this book. Now, Cyrus, he's the master of intermittent fasting here at Master Diabetes. He actually did this research at UC Berkeley, and he would be the first one to say that when they were doing it, he said, this is a waste of time. Nobody's going to want to do this. Who is going to be interested in not eating. And he says, I was the first one to admit I am dead wrong. People love this idea of not eating and it does have profound impact. But again, the overarching principle here is 
um, you're, you're changing your eating windows and you are going to end up eating less total calories. Even if you ate some larger meals when you began eating again, you still end up in a calorie deficit. And this is going to help you burn away the excess fat stored in those muscle liver cells where it's not supposed to be. Uh, great point. And, and Robbie, our time is almost up and, you know, there's, I'm sure so much more um, that you could say today. And of course it's all in your book, as you said. So for people interested in ways to overcome insulin resistance, there's, there's plenty more great information in mastering diabetes. Um, are there um, anything uh, that we haven't touched on that you want to include or share with our audience today? Yeah, the one thing I would love to tell people is the fact that if you are living with diabetes, you know anybody who's living with diabetes, and they are concerned about eating carbohydrate-rich foods, like, you know what, I have to limit my fruit, I have to limit my potato consumption because when I eat those foods, my blood glucose levels spike. I cannot encourage you enough to pick up a copy of Mastering Diabetes. It's available where all books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. We read our own audiobook. It's on Audible. It's on the Google Play Audio Store. You can get it on the Kindle, Nook, like the ebook version. And, and truly, truly take the time. I cannot explain it all in this short episode. But take the time to understand what is happening in the state of insulin resistance that leads to your body's inability to metabolize glucose. And you want to ask yourself that question because this is a, it's a wake-up call. It's a warning sign that you're living with insulin resistance. You are struggling to metabolize glucose, and this is not good for your long-term prognosis. Insulin resistance is the strongest predictor of chronic disease. So this is actually an exciting opportunity to turn this around, get yourself in a state where you can enjoy these foods, see excellent blood glucose readings, and really take control of not just your short-term health, for your long-term health, and of course, get your best A1C, see your fasting bubble coast drop, and really get back in the driver's seat of your overall health. Wonderful. Robbie, thank you so much. This is such great information. And like you said, hopefully, just as you heard on a podcast and um, started thinking about how to reverse your disease more naturally, I, I hope uh, someone who's listening today is able to do the same from the great information you shared. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. The Whole Health Cure is brought to you by Emory Lifestyle Medicine and Wellness. For more information about wellness assessments, classes, and other resources, please visit our website, emoryhealthcare.org slash livewell. This material is copyrighted by Emory University.